Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, Wednesday nights, we're doing a Bible study. We are going through the ver- chat verse, the book of Esther. Esther's a great book. It's different in that it's very historical, and it's a great story. But there's some things in it that you and I look at and go, say what? And so the first chapter we talked about last week kind of sets us up, gives us an insight. Here's how Esther's going to get into place. But the second chapter does this as well. So let's begin there in Esther chapter 2. Esther is found. That's where we're going to begin. They come across her and and they see her and she's put into a position. And so uh, let's, let's go ahead and look at it. So after Xerxes' anger had subsided, remember he's angry because his wife, the queen, refused to do what he wanted her to do, and he got ticked off, and he said, you're done, you're out of here, you're gone. And uh, I know a voice got now, look, come back, don't worry about it. And so after that excited, he began thinking about his, the queen, his former wife, and what she had done, and the decree he had made. He kind of has a little remorse, a little regret. You know, maybe I acted hastily. He did. So his personal attendants suggested, you know, they're always watching the king and always trying to make sure he's okay. And so they looked at him and said, look, let's search the empire and find a beautiful young virgin for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each of his providence to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fort of Susa. And Haggai, the, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they're giving beauty treatments. Now, if they're already the most beautiful people in the world, why do they need beauty pe- treatments? Something us men will never understand. Uh, and after that, the young woman who most pleases the king will be made the queen. Pretty simple. Let's just go find a bunch. And this advice was very appealing to the king, so he put the plan into effect. And at that time, notice, same time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa who was named Mordecai. Now, first introduction of him. Important man in this story, so you want to pay attention to him. And so he's there, the son of Jar. And he was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. And his family had been among those who, with King Jehoiachin of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember a time of Daniel, same type of situation, same area, same thing. The man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin related, Hadashish who was also called Esther. Now, you remember when we went through Daniel, Daniel had two names, didn't he? A Jewish name and a name given by the Babylonians. Same thing here. So Esther is his cousin, but she's more than that. When her father and mother died, so Esther is an orphan, has no parents. Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. That's interesting, isn't it? And as a result of the king's decree, Esther was, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem in the fortress of Susa and placed under Haggai's care. They say, historians, that as many as 400 women were brought into here. And so she is found. The plan is there. 
for some of them, this was not something they volunteered for. They were just conscripted. In other words, you're beautiful, come with me. For others, who doesn't want to be the queen? Yeah. A lot of benefits. So Esther's here. She's found. She's brought in. She's put into one of the group that's going to be considered. So Esther finds favor. She finds favor. Now I'm going to go through some of this quickly. We've got to be done tonight. We've got a little after go for Pastor Sam. Hope you'll stay and have some cake and that and say your farewell. So I'm going to be done just a little bit early, I hope. Maybe. So she finds favor. Yeah. She's a person of godly countenance. Now, we're going to begin to list some traits of hers that all you ladies need to pay attention to as well as all you men. Because they're character traits that are important. And you're going to notice her character traits that put her in position. So she is a person, a, a godly countenance. Notice what it says about her. Hey, guy, the, the guy who's over, overseeing all of this, he was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. Now, he didn't have anything to go off of other than a meeting, right? She's brought in. She's just one of another. But somehow, she stands out. And he treats her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments, as if she needed them. He also assigned her seven maids, specially chosen from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maids into the penthouse. Top place, the best place. He gives her that place. You know something? When you're living a life God. Your countenance should be different than everybody else's. There should be a glow. There should be a smile. Just a thought for some of you. There should be some charm. There should be grace. And here she is brought in with all the others, like cattle, herded through, but the guy in charge watching all the women go by, she's different. She's different. Have you ever not known somebody but looked at them and known they're different? Usually that's not a positive thing, is it? You can just watch them and tell, oh boy, they're, they're weird. They're different. But in her case, notice, she's noticed a person of a godly countenance, a smile a glow, something that set her apart from all the rest of them, something a Christian should have. She also then is a person of control and restraint. A person of control and restraint. (laughs) In other words, she knew how to control herself. I believe self-control is one of the hardest things. It is listed as a fruit of the Spirit. I believe it's one of the hardest one to have into place and allow the Spirit to do where you just control yourself. Most of our problems are because of our lack of self-control. We don't have any questions, do we? 
No, good, okay. Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Esther is a Jew. She lives in a Gentile world. And so no one knows she was an orphan. No one knows where she comes from. No one knows that she's Jewish. Why? Because someone told her not to tell anybody. Now, you know what it's like when somebody tells you not to tell anybody? You want to tell somebody, don't you? But she didn't. Every day, Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. Every day he'd walk by, she would be there, nod at her, how's it going today? What's going on? Being treated okay? Everything okay? And he would just walk away. But she shows restraint. Doesn't have to tell, doesn't have to let people know. Just quietly goes about being who she is. You see, if you're a godly person, you don't have to brag about it. People will notice it. Now, sometimes you do need to tell it. But many times, you need to show it. She's a person of confidence. A confidence. Now, as I say that, I want you to keep this in mind as we read this next one. Esther is at most 20 years old. At most. She's probably a little younger. So, young gal going through this process, notice the confidence here. And this kind of gets a little different for us, and so uh, I won't take any questions about what I'm about to read, okay? It speaks for itself. And I said to you last week, we don't change history. This is the way it was. This was normal. This was not unusual. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given a prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments. So now it's just not beauty treatments. It's 12 months of who knows what, oil of Olay and all that kind of, I don't know. Six months with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ornament. That place had to stink. I mean, just, oh man. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. She, everything was laid out. You can wear whatever you want to wear. And that evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms. You know, they probably watched a movie. You know, took, you know. And the next morning, she was brought to the second harem where the king's wives lived. No questions. There she would be under the care of that guy and the king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. That was the the harems. She would never go to the king again unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. Once all these women went through this process, they're there, they may never see the king again. 
they would never leave the harem. Esther was the daughter of Abihail, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin, Esther. So he legally made her his own. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the harem, and she asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Now, she was admired, she was beautiful, there's no doubt about that. But I believe as we follow this story through and as we look at it, she was admired because of her countenance. She was admired because of her character. She was admired because of the confidence that she had. I mean, think about it. You get to choose whatever you want to wear, jewelry, whatever you want to do. And all she did was, you tell me and I'll do it. It's not many people who are willing to handle authority that way, is it? No. No, don't tell me, I like that, I'll wear that. I want that, I'll take that. But she didn't do it that way, did she? She was willing to submit. She was confident in who she was enough to know, you know what's best, I'll follow your suggestions. That is a lesson hard for all of us to learn, isn't it? That there are people in our lives who know better than we do. And do we listen to them? Oh, yeah, I listen to them. Yeah, we listen to them when they say what we want them to say. When they tell us what we want to hear, then, oh, yeah, I'll listen to them. But when they tell us those things we don't like, we don't want to hear it. And so she, she goes through this. She becomes this person able to do what she's told, able to walk. And it, notice what it says. You know what? She asked for nothing and she was admired by, that means even the other women. That's a big statement, isn't it? I mean, you put 400 women together. Oh, sorry. I'm, you know. Again, no questions. She was a person of character of character. Right? Here we go. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. Now, if you're not careful, you just read through that and don't think a thing about it. But go back to chapter one. When did his problem with the queen happen? Anybody remember? It was in the third year of his reign. Four years have gone by for all of this to happen. Part of what happens in those four years, history tells us, is this king attacked Greece. His father had tried it and been defeated. He thought he had conquered it. Remember, he was throwing the party in chapter 1. He wanted everybody to see how great he was. He had all the other rulers. He was building them up, setting them up. We're going to go to war. I want you to see what I got. I want you to see what I can do. They went to war. He got defeated. So he comes home, tail between his legs. Things not going well. Not having a queen. 
There's been a lot of time gone through. All these women got to be gathered around, gathered up. Four years. Four years. The king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Ashi. So Esther is anointed queen. Character. You know, she's pleasant. She's delightful. She's fun to be around. Does that describe you? You know what? If you're a Christian, people should kind of like being around you. Christians don't automatically have to be obnoxious. You know? You know what I'm saying? It's quiet. But here, little gal, everyone likes her. The king is smitten by her. She's attractive. She's charming. She's engaging. She's a lady of character. People notice. People notice. And then, she's a person of consistency. Consistency. She's the same all the time. Not just once in a while, not just good in moments. Well, I got my good moments and I got my bad moments. No, she's consistent. To celebrate the occasion, you know, kings, it's crazy what they do. He gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and all of his officials, declaring a public holiday for the providence and giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, notice Mordecai is promoted. Important to know. It's going to come up later. So he's promoted. How do you think he got promoted? Someone probably had a little influence there, you think? Had become the palace official. Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's direction. Hold it. She's queen. She doesn't need him. The position has not gone to her head, has it? Just as she did when she lived in her home. Whether she lived in the palace or lived in the home, she was the same. No matter where you saw her, she was teachable, she was humble, she had respect for authority, she was the same all the time. The character of this gal is incredible, isn't it? Esther is faithful. Last three verses, the chapter. She's faithful. One day, Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate. Two of the king's eunuchs, two of his bodyguards, two of the people that served him, 
gives us their names, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters. In other words, they stood, guarded at the entrance and everything, became angry at the king. We're never told why. We don't understand what took place, but they were plotting an assassination. Mordecai heard about the plot, gave the information to Queen Esther, and she told the king about it and gave Mordecai the credit for it. She didn't have to take the credit. She didn't care. Didn't matter. King, here's what's going on. This is who's responsible for this information that I know of. It's him. Now, it's important to know. Remember that. It's going to come up in another chapter. When an investigation was made about Mordecai's story and found to be true, the two men, justice pretty quick here, were impaled on a sharpened pole. And history records it all. You can go into the history books. It's there. And so it was written in a book. It was there. It's given the credit, and everything takes place. So in chapter 2, what we see again, how Esther got in position, what transpired, but the, the character of this lady comes out. So let me give you four things to take away from this, and then we're going to be done, and we'll go have some cake. Number one, there is always opposition to God's plan. You see, what we're going to find out later on in this story, that there was a plot to exterminate the Jews. What Hitler did was not new. What Hitler did had been done before. And what the world was doing was trying to oppose what God was doing. And there's always opposition to what God wants to do. There's a war going on. There's a battle being fought. God's will is going to be accomplished, but there will be a fight for it. It doesn't just happen easily. There is always opposition to what God wants. Secondly, the opposition affects our peace. It's not fun fighting all the time, is it? It's not fun being in a world where there's always junk going on and stuff happening and we look at it, why this and why like this and why'd she have to go through that and why is this happening and why is this taking place and how's that king getting by with this and what's going on and it's just not fair and it's just not right and you know, and if you're not careful, you can allow what goes on in this world and in the conflict that you and I are involved in to destroy your peace. And you have to understand that God gives us, and the writer says it, the song says it, he gives us peace in the midst of a storm. That storm is always raging. This world we live in is always at conflict. There's always a battle going on. Now the problem is, you and I, we want to be pacifist. I'm going to go to war no more. But that's not an option. If you're going to serve God, you have to fight. You have to enter into the conflict. And if you're not careful, that conflict can rob you of peace, joy, everything that God wants to provide. Because even in the midst of the conflict, God still wants to give us peace. 
even in the midst of the struggles you're going through in your life and the things you're having to deal with, you say, I'm trying to serve God. Why isn't it easier? And why doesn't it just happen like this? And why did this have to take place? And why did this have to happen? And you go back in your path. Why, this wasn't fair. I don't like this. And I don't understand that. Understand the enemies at work to do everything he can to get you to separate yourself from God. And God says, look, I know there's a conflict, but I want you to know I'm still present. And I'll still give you peace in the midst of it all if you'll stay with me. Thirdly, our character puts us in the right place. How did Esther get to be queen? She got to be queen by being a lady of character, didn't she? She got to be queen because people noticed her behavior. She got to be queen because people noticed her countenance. She got to be queen because she listened to the people around her who were giving her advice and telling her what to do and how to do it. She got to be queen because even when she got to a higher position, it didn't go to her head and she was still humble enough to serve. And so you want to get to the place where God can use you and will use you? You will have to go through the conflict there will be the battle, but if you will live a life of godly character, you are putting yourself in a position so that God can use you where he wants you. You're putting yourself in a position, I'll put it this way, to be blessed by God. You're putting yourself in a position to be used by God. So we understand there's conflict going on all around us. There's always opposition. And in the midst of this, you and I are called to live for God and not let our peace be destroyed because of it. Not panic, not be afraid. And know that if I'm going to be used by God, I have to be a person of godly character. Fourthly, God can then accomplish his purpose through us. You go through scripture. Joseph God wants to use him. What did he have to go through to get to that place? It was hard, wasn't it? Abraham, I'm going to do this for you, Abraham. What did he have to go through to get to that place? And understand that God says, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Things get hard at times. Things are difficult. Things are unreasonable. Things aren't fair. Life is hard. But I want you to have peace in the midst of that storm. And if you'll live for me and serve me and be faithful, I will take care of you and use you and bless you. So as you look at those four things, is there one of them that kind of catches your attention that you say, I have a problem right now with this one? Maybe you're wringing your hands because of all the junk going on and you tend to focus on all the opposition. Maybe you don't have peace because of what's happening around you. Maybe your character isn't what it should be and there needs to be some adjustment there. Maybe you're resisting what God wants to do. Would you just take a moment because here's what I know as I say that and go through that I know the Holy Spirit is very good at suddenly putting that little light on in our heads in our hearts would you just bow your heads and just say okay God here I am help me in this one 
Help me to deal with this. Let me learn from this lesson, this story. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.